The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Mature audiences are cleared to proceed. Welcome back. This is part two of our tradecraft analysis of Spy Kids. In part one, we set up all the major characters and got the kids in a position to set off and try to save their parents from the bad guys. If you missed out on that, there's a simple solution. You might want to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app so you can always stay caught up with us. That said, if you want to jump in right here with us, that's fine. Uh, just to recap, we're at the part of the film where the kids know what they need to do. They just haven't figured out how yet. Uh, but before they can even make their first move, sub-villain Terry Hatcher shows up to throw a wrench into the works. Uh, we'll resume at the safe house scene in this episode of Spies Like Us. Yay. Yay. Okay, cool. Before... Uh, they find the third brain or whatever. Um, <clears throat> Carmen gives Terry Hatcher the message that Felix gave her, which was the third brain lives. And Terry Hatcher's really excited. And she takes off her OSS bracelet that she had showed earlier that she was official OSS bracelet and puts it on to Carmen and says, Oh, thanks for that information. You've just joined the ranks of women spies. Well, later on in the film, we find out that the bracelet is actually just a tracking device. And um, so I made that my uh, best tradecraft number one, how uh, Terry Hatcher, as a, uh, you know older woman that a younger girl would be looking up to, used the whole like girl power to manipulate Carmen so that she could track her. Because Carmen w- would have received that bracelet like a big, you know, like kind of like a... a like a a gift of praise and it would have boosted her self-confidence and she would have never let go of it, you know? And so she would have been tracked the whole time. And, and, and so I got my number one, uh, you know, just, just the way she played it. It was, it was super manipulative. You don't do that to kids, you know, like I'm, I'm not like commending like the act. It's just as far as (laughs) tradecraft goes. Yeah. Like as far as tradecraft goes, I was, that was top notch, very well played. Well, maybe it's the duplicate. I didn't think about this before, but maybe it's the duplicate bracelet that Carmen is wearing is what let uh, Felix be able to track her location and give it to the kids. Oh, you know, if, oh, yeah. if, if they all if they all have those bracelets. But uh, I don't know. Why did just the women have them? Maybe the men have a different thing. Maybe they have a, a I don't know. Tight. Cuff- Cuff- like he went too early. The, I didn't buy that. Like, I think he like. It's like that character was reading the script, and like when that when they're when the spies were converging on him, and it seemed like he gave up, like oh you guys go without me before he was even like really gonna get captured. It seemed like he skipped, like he could have gotten away. Like it should have held longer because he was like right away. He's like I'm not gonna make it out of here, but at that time you didn't. It looked like he still could have made it out of there. Like he gave up too easily. Good one, Lewis. Because and and here let me put these together. Um. I mean, clearly the movie just wants him to get captured. So that's fine. So why does he go back? My thought was like, he's going back to look for the third brain because he clearly knows about it. Um, Of course, he can't search the entire house. So it's uh, stupid minus spy points for him. But also it's minus spy points, I would say, because if Gregorio trusts Felix enough to let him know about the safe house to let him know about the third brain and to have him be the guy that you call in to protect your kids. If anything happens to us, you told him that the third brain was at the safe house, right? Right. 
Right. All so, I know is when your when your cover is blown, you're supposed to do like a page in that that Schwarzenegger movie with Vanessa Williams, where the spy. That's what I always think of when your cover's blown. You do that text. You you page him, and then he's going to save you. And he always works alone, of course. You know the movie I'm talking about. <laughs> with Schwarzenegger right. and where it's like that she she's the Vanessa Williams is like an executive and she knows about this weapon they're developing that she, they're trying to stop and then she has to go word? into like she has to go into witness protection but then um what's his name uh the other head guy is like corrupt and so he's like giving up he's giving up the witness protection people to James Khan. this is like a movie from like way back I forget you've is probably seen it though no, not true lies. This is just what it's. It's some spy. It's like a he plays like a a guy that protects witness in the witness protection people, and Vanessa Williams is there. But the James Con is the guy that keeps giving up the witness protection people, and they try and eventually they figure that out. But I just remember there's a scene where they they capture Schwarzenegger, and then he makes it sends a page to Vanessa Williams really quick, like telling her like, okay, your cover's blown. And I show up in this, show up in. He tells her show up in like a huge wherever the nearest place that's a huge public. You say Arnold Schwarzenegger. Here, let's have Maura look it up. Maura, uh, or you, you're talking, you say Arnold Schwarzenegger? And Vanessa Williams. If you just, they're probably, I don't think they have many movies together other than that one. So if All you right. put Maura, them together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maura, movie uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Vanessa Williams. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Vanessa Williams star in the 1996 action film Eraser. Eraser, yeah. Because I just always remember that, like, they capture him. He's on a mission with James Caan. And then they figure out that he know that they they just decide to get rid of Arnold to get to get to Vanessa Williams and they 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 get they give him like a sleeping man. but then he wakes up and he busts out of like plane and they get sends her a text telling her you know go to a public place so she goes to this huge zoo and then there's a like big scene where they're fighting at the end but it's I just not- always remember when somebody blows your cover you got you do a text and say like go to a public biggest public place you can find. Right. Okay. When your, when your that, covers makes that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So, Lewis, do you think we, is that a movie you think we should put on our list uh, for spy, for the Spies Like Us podcast? Yeah, Erasure is good. It's good. Okay. Okay. We'll put it on the list. See if see if it turns up. Got James Conner. <laughs> okay. Um, I did. I did like. I want to give some plus spy points. Uh, I think this is uh, this is one of my best. Is so though you have the situation where like uh, okay, uh, we're basically retired, you know, for like nine years. We've got our kids or whatever, but we also know like something could happen to us. Like when you leave the life, you never necessarily leave it entirely. And so setting up this uh, trusted agent and and setting him up with all the information that he would need in order to come and protect your kids. He says, I was assigned to protect your family. So I, I like that in general, you know, that they have um, someone that's still in the service that's also like kind of tasked, like if, if the Cortezes need help or protection or something, uh, you know, you're on the case. But the reason I give it my, actually my number one best tradecraft is the foresight involved in introducing this agent to the kids at very young ages as their uncle and having them grow up thinking of him as someone that is their uncle and someone that they can trust so that if something does go down that you know and he needs to come in and and you know scoop him up or something that it won't be just some random fucking agent that they've never met saying like my parent your parents sent me blah 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 and all the kids are gonna be like what the fuck get away from us I'm not getting in your van. 
<laughs> hey, but that, that's a good one. I, I, and that's another one of the mustache scenes too. When he's, they're like, our parents aren't spies. And he goes, look, I'm not your uncle. And he rips the mustache off. Like that's going to prove that he's not their uncle and that their parents are spies. Just, just wanted to point out the, the, the mustache gag. Full disclosure. I'm not as, I'm not as, I'm not as tickled by the mustache stuff as you are. <laughs> it's okay. I'm very eye rolly. I'm, I'm, my eyes are rolling pretty hard when like Gregorio's like back on the case and he's like, first, first step, you know, slick back my hair and put on my sexy machismo mustache. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What did they do? What, what were they supposedly doing for a living when they weren't spies anymore? No clue. I think they're fully. I, th- I think they're fully retired on their pensions. Also, that seems like a family that would have pets. I don't remember seeing any pets, or maybe I'm forgetting. They also it's- live in this weird ass fucking house that's secluded on a on an ocean cliff somewhere. Like they're the the tech billionaire, like Floop. Yeah, I was pretty. Unless what is that all OSS issued or something? I don't know. Yeah. That, that, that kind of threw me off, too. Who knows? Well, you know, most, most they're, places within driving, they're within driving distance of the school in the suburbs. But you know why? Most places aren't zoned to have thumbs living with you. That's why. You, right. It's hard to find a place that will let you have those things. <laughs> I, I don't think that giant boot-shaped fortress is up to code. Right. <laughs> I don't want to live next to any thumbs. You know, they'll wander off. They'll, they'll ruin your yard. They'll probably try to eat one of your animals. I, I don't, I'm not living next to thumbs. Right. <laughs> they seem like just like hench. They seem like I don't. They seem just like bad thumbs, though. Even though I don't know what how smart they were, they seem like bad people to me. Like I mean, they the- fly on jetpacks. They attack stuff. I don't know why you're not. I don't. Re- I don't really understand why you're not trying to sell the thumbs to the Americans. I feel like as as much as they make fun of the thumbs as being like kind of incompetent, they actually right. seem to be like. I would say rating thumbs versus Fuglies versus robot kids. Um, the thumbs are actually like some the of the most, most success. Yeah, even though the, the joke is right, is that like he's all thumbs, right? Like his inventions are all that. Ha, I think that ha. so that's but actually, they're those are his mo- might be his most effective things he has. Yeah, the thumb robots. <laughs> and they do their job, right? They intimidate. They right. bas- they basically do their well, job, sure. except. There is one thing I wanted to point out, which uh, was, I think, my number three worst tradecraft. Uh, the the whole castle that Floop and Minion run have cameras everywhere, and they actually get a shot of, like, the security camera room where they have all the monitors. And, you know, you guys are talking about how, like, effective the thumb-thumbs are. They have one thumb-thumb watching, like, probably what looks like, like, over a thousand monitors. Minus five points. Yeah. They, like, that's going to be my number three worst tradecraft because that's how Junie and Carmen sneak in. They don't get spotted by the camera because th- there's literally one guy looking at all of those cameras. Like, the why there's a, that many cameras with one dude. Yeah. Yeah. One, one dude, one dude who, if he sees something suspicious, he's going to what? Run up to you and. Not be able to tell you what he saw, right? <laughs> he won't what about a like- spinoff? What about a spinoff movie with the third brain, where the third brain is just sad because he has to watch all the cameras? That's what he does, and oh, they, he oh. longs for more. It's like a spinoff movie, right? 
Well, I think Robert Rodriguez has said he does want to make Spy Kids five. So there's yeah, four. Spy- I know there's mul- there's four yeah. of them. Yeah, there's I a think lot of. Them. I, yeah, I think five was the number I saw. In is the, there recent? Is there one that came recently? I mean, is it different? Different people in it every time, or is it the same same core? The kids sure. would be too old, I'm right? They can't be kids. It's got to be new kids at least, right? Yeah, I guess so. The kids do get away with the brain. They have the third brain. And Minion's entirely stupid idea is to send duplicates of the kids. You know, we we know that we've made robot versions of, uh, you know, all of the kids of, like, all the major leaders or uh, power brokers in the world. And uh, somewhere along the way, I guess we found time to make duplicates of these kids. Uh, Not sure how you actually accomplish that. We'll let that go. What annoys me about this, it's not the the stupidest thing in the movie, but it's done. It annoys me because I think it's just done for the stupidest reason. Steve Buscemi is in Spy Kids 2. That's worth seeing it. Maybe just for Steve Buscemi. Oh, yeah. And they are in. The little kids are in it. They're like spies now. And Carlo, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia, and there, the Carlo Cugino and Antonio Banderas, and the two kids are in it. And then there's other kids in it too. Well, for you guys listening, uh, you know, here's our uh, official announcement of jumping to Spy Kids two. <laughs> it came out right away to 2002. They didn't waste any time. They pumped it out the next year, 2002. Oh wow! wow. Yeah, just oh, wow. one after the other. Um. Yeah, no, I think I think we're all spy kids out. I don't. I don't think. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I'm never coming back to this franchise. Um, I would not. I would not have finished this movie if if it wasn't for doing the podcast. I would have watched maybe thirty minutes, realized what it was, realized it was not barking up my tree at all, and turned. Right. It <laughs> so, from your podcast, what's a movie that you? saw again that you like a lot more that that, that be, when you did the po- and what's in the movie that when you looked at it again you'd like it less oh okay wait 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 i i have i have our list of movies we've done so far say that question again that's an interesting one like a movie that you when you revisit for your podcast now you like it less like it was something you movie you really like and then when you look more detail you're like nah, i don't like it as much and then a movie like that you kind of overlooked at these but then upon further when you did the podcast about, you're like, you know, that's a really good movie. I just never appreciated it. I think, I think Atomic Blonde slipped down for me uh, about as much as it could uh, from from rewatching and analyzing. But that was just like basically from a from a Todd rating of five to a Todd rating of four. So not that's like I, a more of a isn't that like an action more? I always think of that as more of an action than a spy. But I guess she is. A, but I mean, it's like the movie's more about well, her just kicking ass, right? Than it is about like we, spy no, stuff. No. We actually discussed that in the podcast because that's what I thought when I saw the trailer and heard the name of the film. And people asked me, oh, "Are you going to go see Atomic Blonde?" I'm like, "Fuck no." And, and then they had to explain to me, wait, no, it's actually a spy film. So then when I went and watched it, I was like, oh, yeah. It it's a character, right? It's a car- isn't it a, car- a, car- I mean, a comic book character? Yeah, but sort, it was a- sort, sort of. Yeah. Uh, I read so that's the- a good movie. You like, you guys really like that then, huh? Well, that movie is just barking. At- that movie is barking up my tree. That's a, that's a, that's a made for Todd movie. 
You're going to put Charlie, you know, <laughs> like the movie is just super stylized. Um, it's just got great performances. It's just got a great mood. It's got a great soundtrack. It's got great action. It's, it's just, it's a lot of things that I really like in a movie, but uh, it was pretty hard to uh, like it as much after looking at just how bad the tradecraft was handled in it i mean there's just some huge yeah. <laughs> glaring errors and <laughs> retroactively i didn't get a chance to read the comic before we did the podcast but i have read it since and it's an entirely different story like she's not blonde uh she's she's just an unassuming very quiet uh i think one of the writers like the comment he made like she uh she shoots her gun in the comic she shoots her gun only three times in the comic and out of those three shots, only one of them actually hit anybody. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's a it's a much more cerebral, uh, uh, you know, uh, direct misdirection, lies within lies kind of thing, and it's just much more coherent. But you that, like it less upon further inspection. That's one that you like a little bit less when you when you when you looked at it more. It was. I'll just say it was harder to love. It was a little now, bit what harder about, to love. What about one movie that you liked more when you looked at it more, when you gave it a well, podcast? I didn't mine. What? Uh, I didn't get to say mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go ahead. Say what yours is too, before you get to the ones that you liked well, I, more. I actually grew up watching Sneakers as a kid because it was like a family favorite, mainly because the cast is like a really great cast. You know, you got Dan Aykroyd and Robert Redford and um, yeah, there's just a bunch of people on the, but when I went back and watched it, it, it wasn't as exciting as I thought it was. So that one kind of slipped down a little bit, but I still really enjoy the film and watching it now made me appreciate the tradecraft more than I would have realized as a kid. But yeah, going back and watching it, I think, it, I think it lowered in how high regard I had for it, but it's still a great movie and definitely a, a must watch. As far as disappointments, too, I think it's worth mentioning for both me and Dave that uh, even though we weren't familiar with the movie before we did it for the podcast, but I think our biggest disappointment was from Russia with Love, uh, which is is just held up as this like uber classic. And I guess I get it, you know, because in 1963, you know, this like the birth of the genre you really hadn't had or seen spy movies before, but uh, just for us personally, and we don't, we never approach this as, as we're trying to be movie critics. We're, we're never trying to, our ratings are our own personal ratings, because if you want a professional movie critics review, you can find those on the internet. So why would I bother trying to like, I'm, I'm just not even going to, I'm just not even going to pretend, but just for me right. personally and, and for David as well, like, from Russia with Love scored very low with us. Yeah. That's a Bond movie, right? It's right. it's the second. second. Yeah. Yeah. And we picked that one specifically because we were told of all the Bond films that that had the most like intelligence in it or like tradecraft in it. I know, we right? Were, yeah. Yeah, we were thoroughly disappointed. Like yeah, I, I, I did not enjoy I mean, like, now that I'm older, I'm not a big fan of the Bond films to begin with. But going back and being told by everybody, oh, no, from Russia with Love, you'll love it. It's definitely a spy film. And then we go back and we see it and we're like, yeah, no, this is kind of a Bond film. 
<laughs> so what what movie is the most is ac- most accurately depicts what a real spy goes through you think so we rate the uh tradecraft on a scale of one to five park benches and the reason we use park benches is because of the whole iconic you know like you've seen it a million times like where the two spies like they always meet in a park and sit at, at a bench and pretend that they're not actually talking to each other just talk out of the sides of their mouths yeah, I know. Yeah, that? The, okay, cool, the briefcases. Cool. <laughs> yeah, um, briefcases. Yeah, <laughs> our highest, our highest ratings so far. We've given four park benches to these movies. Uh, we've given it to the company TV miniseries uh, with Michael Keaton and Alfred Molina. Uh, we gave four park benches to a most wanted man with females. Uh, Female Seymour, <laughs> Philip Seymour, Seymour. Hoffman, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, and to Munich, the Steven Spielberg movie about the um, Israelis going after the uh, perpetrators of the uh, Olympics massacre. Did you ever see Munich, Lewis? No, I heard of it though. I don't know if it. I don't know if it's your kind of movie. It's it's pretty gritty, but uh, yeah, it's it's big hit for me. What about the Jack? I mean, those Jack Ryan movies? You think you guys do any of those? We're gonna—he's not, not technically a spy, but it's always dealing with like yeah, espionage. We yeah. will, we will. Uh, but we have it on the list. We don't I, have I, we don't have high expectations. The Ben Affleck <laughs> one is actually good. I think there's one where Ben Affleck is Jack Ryan with uh, where it's like a, a nuclear weapon situation, and it's it's pretty good. Oh. And there's a there is a scene in it where he's talking to like his counterpart in Russia and like so there's I don't they may have even been on the bench I'm not sure. <laughs> Got well there's this thing I still haven't found the sound effect but I want to have a sound effect like what is it like they play it back or something you know that uh, like every time we see a park bench in a movie I want to have a oh, sound effect DJ horn yeah, yeah right, right, right. let's get back there's- to spike let's get back to spike kids they send duplicates of the kids to get the brain from them this is stupid because there's no reason to send duplicates in fact that's a bad idea if you're gonna send two robot kids send any other two robot kids because by sending duplicates there's only two differences in what could happen and they're both bad for you number one the kids could spot the duplicates and say hey what the fuck right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right <laughs> as opposed to if you just saw a kid coming up at you that you've never seen before you're like hi little kid let me right. show you my third brain and then <laughs> and then also for the witness factor you know like like if if witnesses saw two kids beating up two other kids and then walking away which isn't exactly what to do but uh you know the kids would have been like i don't know there was a fight whatever but then they're like no they were like clones of each other and then the authorities are like, oh, well, shit, that sounds weird. Let's look into it. But if you can get close enough to somebody to switch kids on them, couldn't you have just killed them without the kids? Like, I don't understand what the kids are doing at that point. Like, that th- I thought that, would, that was a point. Like, oh, you, you could kill some prime minister by having his look like it's his kid. That's but how do you, how do, you do that right? without, like, if you're that close, like, you might as well just, right. you're in the house. You swip the kids without them even knowing it, right? Well, I think that, I think more of the idea is that the kids... I mean, that's the capabilities we see in the movie, but the concept that the movie was trying to sell us is that the third brain makes these kids super spies. It turns them into spy kids. And then so that they would have basically a spy network, an undetectable spy network uh, uh, across the entire globe. 
can I use your guys' tradecraft ratings on another movie? Because I, I want to think of like the worst tradecraft in any movie I can think of. <laughs> I thought I thought you you already did the Spies Like Us movie with us, dude. No, yeah, but no, I'm no, talking no. about no, not even necessarily a spy. I'm, I'm saying Infinity Ward has the worst tradecraft for the for the entire universe. Because how does it how does it like something that important? Like the guy's going to wipe out half the universe and just Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man they don't find out until like. Like he's got like two of the stones already. Like, shouldn't shouldn't didn't somebody like fail some intel on that? Like, shouldn't you've got like a little red packet? Like, hey, this guy's trying to destroy half the universe. You, you want, like before like the last minute before he's already got like two of the stones and he's coming down to Earth to get the other two and he's right. like like I think that like that somebody failed on that. Somebody should have gotten some intel like that is years definitely... ago. Like, hey, this guy's working on trying to get all the stones to kill every half the plant, half the universe. Maybe we got to get on that. That is definitely a shield's failure. Uh, good, good, good point, Lewis. I mean, just the, in the whole like universe, like not just like what, what the, what the, what? Yeah, they never even showed like what are everybody else doing? A bunch of slackers. Thing like it is the only people doing something about it or on on Earth and, and and whatever the other the the girl that was the gal that's running around with all the special powers going all over the place. But other than that, what is everybody else doing? Nothing. Right? That's what they're doing. <laughs> sitting on their ass all whining okay well half of us got wiped out but like do something Come right exactly. <laughs> they had to wait they had to wait for for ant-man to come out of his some you know rodent to jump on ant-man's thing for the, the for the universe to be saved right but they didn't have that luck nope <laughs> i'm just like what are everybody else doing i just think like there's some slackers on the in the universe that's all i know a lot of slackers um, I'm, I'm, I'm really ready to get this thing over with. Uh, Dave, you got, um, you, actually we share a best trade craft. It was, uh, it was, you're, you're the one with the notes. I think that's, uh, well, uh with uh, uncle, uncle machete. Sure. Let's just at least bring it up and let's get to do also a side note. Thanos would be a terrible spy because he doesn't lie. That's true. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the, the kids are kind of, they lost the third brain. They don't know what to do. Uh, and, but somehow they put together that all of these spy toys that their parents have are made by machete ink or whatever. And then they see a wedding photo of their dad with this guy. And on the back, it says their dad and then machete. So they go and find this guy's store and he's running a spy shop. And it just says machete spy shop with a giant machete for the sign. Uh, and he's got all these cool gadgets and they figure out, they find out that he's his uncle um, just to give you a little context of what's going on. And uh, so they, they tell him the whole story about how their parents got kidnapped. But of course, you know, he's, he, he, the, 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 the bone to pick or what, what is the grudge that he's been holding for his brother is too strong. And so he's not going to go help his brother, but um uh, what I put on here is, uh, I think Todd and I both agreed. Uh, I think this is your number three, but my number two best trade craft that Carmen trying to get uncle machete. She's basically guilt tripping him the whole time. Like every step of the way, she's trying to flip machete into just going to save their parents. And he still refuses, but she's, she's really giving it to him. Right. She's very persistent. I think, I think the moment where it turns into actual good, persuasion tradecraft to me is when they're going to sleep and she's just like i guess we'll just sit here and think about how our parents are being tortured <laughs> yeah right 
<laughs> yeah. You know, but she's she's like, you won't do it for your brother? No. What about for your niece and nephew? You know, like she she's definitely putting on the charm. And uh, so I, I thought it was good. But um, when they ask him how they could ever get to the castle, Machete takes them upstairs, opens up like kind of like a mini hangar. And he's got this tiny, like super fast jet. And he's like, this could take you to the castle. And she's like, oh, are you going to go? He's like, no, I'm not. And then he just puts the plane away. And and uh, when he goes to sleep, they obviously sneak out and take all his gadgets and take his plane, you know. Uh, but he clearly didn't want them to go and he didn't want to go and he wasn't going to lend them this stuff. So why did he even tell it? You know, it's kind of like when cartoons make fun of stuff, when they make stuff obvious, like here's the bad guy's hideout or something. Uh, you know, so this made my number two worst tradecraft. Like why even tell him about the plane if he clearly didn't want them to go or want him to go. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was silly. All right. We're going to debriefing. Okay. <laughs> ready i'm ready to put this thing behind me i'm definitely it was the infinity is infinity ward made you know that it was time that the the episode was coming to an end when i started pulling infinity ward references (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) agents please report for debriefing on this operation the director will see you now well uh what are your what are your some of your final impressions who me yeah. Hey, um, I, okay. Without without saying I hated it, I wouldn't have finished it. Like I would have, I would have watched about a about thirty minutes. I would have said this is not a movie for me. And having having finished it though, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking about was there? I mean, clearly it's directed. You know, I'm almost fifty years old, so this is not my movie. Um, but was there an age? I wondered seriously where i would have liked this movie and i don't really think the answer is yes um i was like already sold my soul to star wars at eight years old and Uh from then on i'm full on into like uh time bandits alien uh you know just just science fiction science fiction give me give me good science fiction this is not good science fiction and and the, the kitty cute adventure thing, I looked and and I was trying to think. Well, what are the like the parallel movies that might have been around in the in the mid seventies? You know, like when I was five years old, would have I have liked this? Like maybe when I was five, I might have oh. kind of, you know, you could have parked me in front of it, and I would have kind of, I probably would have dug it, but I also wouldn't have understood it. Right. <laughs> um. This uh, this kids going on an adventure thing, I think it's a genre that, um, although you can find some examples peppered in in the past, I don't think that this kind of formula of a movie was really like perfected until post ET. Is is what I'm looking at? Even though, again, like when we've talked about this, I I'm not saying there's no such thing as movies directed as at, at kids, but this particular uh-huh. kind of we got you know uh, the grownups can't handle it. We got to do it ourselves. Is <laughs> right, you know, is what like Stranger Things is a full on homage to. You know, there's a reason right. that Stranger Things is 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 based in the '80s because and a year 
a couple years after ET, there's like I think like a kind of big explosion of that kind of stuff. But I don't think it was really there for me when I was a kid, and so I don't know. I don't think I I don't think I was ever in an age. If you're knee deep in a classic sci-fi by the age of eight, nine, and ten, I, I don't think you would have dug any of those movies, even if even if they were around. But what was going on? Here's here's the thing. What was going on in your life in actually 2001? What what about the tradecraft of why did they forget to put the fun in the Shrek launch Xbox game? That's a mystery <laughs> I'll never know. <laughs> well, we were know. there. We were there in Canada. Todd and I were there in Canada, and we we still don't know why they forgot to put any fun in that game. Shrek Shrek was a decent movie, though. I'll, I'll, no, good yeah. movie, yeah, great. But the the, the, the video the the Xbox video game not really fun. I think no. even Xbox Magazine reviewed it and said the same thing. They've so this is uh, this is this is a tough one for me. Um, I know I dawdled, but I, I I wanted to put those notes out about like you know the the kind of movies. Like, was there a version of Spy Kids that I would have liked? You know, if it had hit me at the right age, and and how I don't think so. I I think I've got to give this the one. I, it's it's painful for me. The worst rating I've given on this podcast so far is for Spies Like Us at a one point five. <laughs> and and the the tiny difference, and I agonized, and I thought like, I mean, it's definitely not a two for me. So it's it's right. between a one and a one point five. But where I really come down to is like, I think that Spies Like Us is a movie I would have finished before I decided I hated it. Spy Kids is a movie I would have decided I hated it thirty minutes in. Yes, right. <laughs> by turning it off, I would have missed a few cute little bits. I would have missed, like, I think the the Junie actor is actually, like, really adorable and pretty talented. Just some of his uh-huh. facial expressions and stuff are, like, right. they, they, they get me. But, um, yeah, I got to give it the one. Oh. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um. Like I said, I really enjoyed it. It was it was fun, and for a kids movie, I mean, like, you know, like I, I gave Spies Like Us a, a one. So uh, th- this this would be at that level of storytelling. But considering it was a kids film, I think there were a lot of moments that were fun. You know, I had fun watching it, even as an adult. I probably wouldn't have watched it if we were doing it for the podcast. Um, but you know, I I don't know. So I. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with like a two, two and a half. I mean, it's it's definitely worth the watch. I, I wouldn't mind my kids watching it if I had kids, but I think there's a list of other things I would put up front in the queue for them to watch, you know? Yeah. So, oh, my God. Oh, my God. The list of things I would rather show my kids than this is, is <laughs> would you Would you have liked long. the movie if you got turned into a fluber? <laughs> <laughs> Probably would have liked it better if I turned into a fluber <laughs> or flugel, whatever they're called. <laughs> Lewis, what are, what are your thoughts? Hold on, hold on, hold on. You haven't, you haven't. You need to, you need to, you need to plant the flag though between two and two point five. You've never given a two point five. You are, you are sitting here with the twos you gave to our man Flint and from Russia with love, uh-huh. and, and the men who knew too little. And the company miniseries, those were your threes. So is this is this better than from Russia with love? No. <laughs> no, <I> mean, it's not. <laughs> all right, I'm changing this to a 1.5. 1.5. 1. 
Thanks for pointing that out to me. I'm looking at these numbers too. No, yeah, I'm going to give this even even with the boost of being a kids film. I'm, I, I still got to give this a 1.5. Okay, I, I didn't realize that I gave those twos, but I think our man Flint was more enjoyable. Thoroughly. What about you, yeah. Lewis? If you if you were going to go one uh, one to five, and you can use point fives if you need to, um, just and again, just to your own personal tastes. Can I give it one to six because there are six Infinity Stones? <laughs> since since you're not an official uh, uh, member of the organization, uh, we we can't we can't tell you what to do. I'll give right. it. I'm going to give it two and a half Infinity Stones. Okay. <laughs> Two and a half infinity stones. Awesome. <laughs> um, my best tradecraft, really quick. Uh, my number three, trying to flip Uncle Machete. My number two, uh, having Terry Hatcher being the contact point. These are my best tradecraft. Uh, Terry Hatcher being a point of contact that Gregorio would trust. My number one best easily is having the foresight to familiarize the kids with the agent that is tasked to protect them if anything goes wrong and making them think that he's their uncle so that they'll trust him if he needs to come into play. That was a really good one. I didn't even think about that one. I, I yeah, when you brought that up in the show, I was like, oh yeah. That yeah, was the good. only that was the only good tradecraft that was easy for me to call. The other two I felt like I was really pulling out of my ass. No, you were pulling straight. <laughs> uh my number, th- my best trade craft. My number three was <laughs> Gregorio pulling out a walnut and pre- and smashing it so that he could sneak out the the third brain. Uh, again, this is more of a sarcastic number three, but it's still oh, really. Me- oh, really? Smiley is suspicious, Percy. Yeah, <laughs> I I gotta sneak out this third brain. What am I gonna do? I'm just gonna pull a walnut out, smash the walnut, and sneak out the third brain. Uh, okay. Uh, more seriously, my number two was trying to flip uh, uh, Machete, uh, Carmen trying to flip him. And then uh, the number one was uh, Terry Hatcher uh, giving the bracelet in like kind of a gift of praise and, you know, using the girl power, you know, uh, you're, you're an official woman of the ranks of women spies, you know, uh, and, it, and it turns out to be a tracking bracelet. So I, I think it was well played. Uh, even though I don't condone manipulating children. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My worst tradecraft. Number three, These the, the idea of these robots is stupid because they mainly because they make robot fucking noises when they move. <laughs> you know? Uh, and they're dumb. And their eyes glow. They're not going to fool anyone. My number two worst is that once you have Gregorio, you don't guard him. You don't interrogate him. You just... You just completely like, you just pull a, a a cartoon James Bond villain bullshit play on that. And uh, my number one worst, just because it's because I hate. Oh, well, I've already talked about it, but sending duplicates of the kids to fight the kids <laughs> doesn't make sense. Oh, oh, and. Oh, I'm glad we got here because I feel like I failed to mention this throughout this podcast. Huge. I almost, this was almost my number one worst was not necessarily bad tradecraft, but like missed opportunity spy points. You've got duplicate kids in play in a spy movie at no point. 
do you do a cool scene where like uh, the kid, the robot kids go to the parents and pretend to be the kids or like the kids going to the villains and pretending to be the robots? Right? Like that, <laughs> to me, like when you have this concept in the first place, that, like that's where you go with it. That's what you do. You know, your final scene is like the villain, like, ha, 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 ha. And now <laughs> the, robot, the robot Carmen will press the button, which will activate the everything. And then, right. you know, and we think it's the robot Carmen, but oh, no, it's really the real Carmen. And like she saves the day and, and blah, blah, huge. Just the missed opportunity there is just jaw dropping. to me. They actually did do that once. Where? Junie pretended to be a robot and was copying Minion. Uh, when they were trying to get uh, Gregorio back, f- turning him back from a flugel back into a person. And that, yeah, you're right. And that's plus five points. And I did like that. I, you know, when I was watching the movie, just when they played the mimicking game in the car, in the backseat of the car, I was like, oh, this is going to come into play. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear your worst. Uh, my number three worst trade craft. Uh, you got a million cameras, but you got one thumb thumb watching all of the cameras. And that's how Junie and Carmen slip in. Uh, my number two worst trade craft was Machete telling the kids about the plane that he had that could get them to the island when he clearly didn't want to go or want them to go. Uh, and then, of course, my number one worst trade craft was giving the kids the dad's message about floop. And then telling them everything about Floop when she's working on Team Floop and Team Minion. Uh, it was, it was, you know, spy movies information is, is the currency that we, we buy and sell and trade with. And you don't, you don't give the, the family jewels away to the protagonists of the story. All right. Well, Lewis, Lewis, you could tell us if you can think of one, like, what is the, what is the stupidest spy thing in this movie and what is the coolest spy thing in this movie can you could you give us those how about i reject that question and ask you what is my best and worst weird tangent that i did in this show <laughs> i would have to go back i think there there was you you had a uh you had a great one where, where you asked us questions about uh our estimation of movies and how it changed over the course of researching the podcast that was that was fun that would that would be my number one best tangent um my worst tangent was uh when i started talking about the duplicate kids i forget exactly what you start you started talking about some other movie entirely you started talking about a racer like just out of the fucking blue i think it was that sounds like that sounds like me that sounds like demonstrating that you were not listening to me, paying attention to me whatsoever. Took us like 20 <laughs> minutes for me to get back on track. Um, okay, cool. That was a de- that was a derailing a derailer. It's not Lewis. God keep you, save you, love you. Uh, I think we're always going to want to bring you in when we have. You know, and I, I hope you consider it a compliment. Like when we have these movies that there's so little to talk about the tradecraft and we're just talking about it for fun and because we agreed to do it. Uh, right. I think- it's like a mixed bag. You have to take you have to take those to get the good ones. You have to take the four bad 
tangents to get the one good one. They just go together. It's a mis- it, you, you can't I can't really separate them. They all just come in a bunch. We have we have a lot we have a lot of fun with you, and we're super happy that that you did this one with us. And yeah, it was I a hope- lot of fun. I did I didn't really know what I was going to talk about either. But once we get going, we just start doing. But yeah, I I didn't really have much. I didn't really have an idea what I was going to talk about. You're you're our secret weapon. Uh, when yeah. when we have to do these kind of movies, park benches, park benches, Dave. It's 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 a to me, you know, it's going to come down to is this a point five or is it a one? Uh, we got we got we got spies like us and man who knew too little. We gave one park benches to those movies. Somehow you wrangled me down, and probably I, I kind of I'm not super butthurt about it, but it looks like you probably were the force that wrangled me down to a point five on our man Flint. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, 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 can we give it a point two five? Nope, nope. It's not allowed. Okay. I think we're just. I think we just got to park it along with our man Flint. Yeah, point five, point five park benches. Not, yeah, that not, means not that even means how enough. Good the trade craft is that's what the park benches not, are. Which means it's yeah, that's right, that's right. That's that's how accurate. That's how much you could learn <laughs> about spy, <laughs> about being a spy from watching this movie. So you have made, you have had some fours though. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, you know what? The previous episode, uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. That is our four point five. That yep. is that is the best rating that we've given. So, um, yeah. I just um, hope there's at least one person who who listens to this and, and is like a little upset. Like, I didn't know I had to watch Infinity War to do this <laughs> <the> podcast. <laughs> yeah, point five park benches. That means half a park bench, which means not enough of a park bench for even two spies to sit on. Right, just enough for one spy. Not even that, because the other half is missing, so it's it's slanted on the ground. It's just like hey, right. it's, it's, like <laughs> it's, not even <laughs> it's not even a functional park bench. It's hilarious. <laughs> that's the show, guys. Thanks so much. And that's the end of our show. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at spies underscore like us. Visit us on our website at www.spieslikeus.net. You know, find out about upcoming episodes. Also, what will really help us out is if you give us a review on wherever you found our podcast, either on iTunes or your Android app or YouTube or wherever you listen to us. Uh, even if you didn't like the show, just give us a review. It'll help us give us feedback so we can make the show better. And it can also help other people who haven't found the show yet find out about us. Hey, Moira, initiate Protocol 9. Protocol 9 initiated. This podcast will self-destruct in 20 seconds. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautics, Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod, and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net. Editing by Todd Hostetler. <laughs>